Stand-up comic joke it up one time. Fun day. Oh, oh it's me. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, Funny. Wait for it. Come on. Let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that make me. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. All right. This is the podcast Let's Talk About Sets with Harrison Tweed and Jeff McBride. It's a show where we fanboy it up over the science and craft of stand-up comedy. Let's get started by listening to Guns by Jim Jeffries from his 2014 special Bear off of Netflix. (laughs) I'm going to talk about something now that sort of splits the crowd uh, a little bit. Uh, Gun control. Now... Mate, wait, before you get, don't, don't get excited because the other people have guns. <laughs> the anti-gun people are like, yeah, do it, Jim. No, let's just shh. Now, before I start saying this, I want to say this, right? I believe in your right as Americans to have guns. I'm not trying to stop you from having guns. All I'm saying is this is my personal belief on the opinion. My opinion on the, be- oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't like guns. Right? I'm going to say some things that are just facts, Right? In Australia, we, we had guns, right? Right up until 1996. And in 1996, Australia had the biggest massacre on earth. Still hasn't been beaten. And <laughs> now, after that, they banned the guns. Now, in the 10 years before Port Arthur, there was 10 massacres. Since the gun ban in 1996, there hasn't been a single massacre since. I don't know how or why this happened. Uh, Maybe it was a coincidence, right? (laughs) Now, please understand that I understand that Australia and America are two vastly different cultures with different people, right? I get it. In Australia, we had the biggest massacre on earth, and the Australian government went, that's it, no more guns. And we all went, and we all went, yeah, right then, that seems fair enough. Now, in America, you have the Sandy Hook massacre where little tiny children died and your government went, maybe we'll get rid of the big guns? (laughs) And 50% of you went, fuck you, don't take my guns! (laughs) So here's, here's where it gets confusing, right? Now, as I said, I'm all for your Second Amendment rights, I think you should be able to have guns, it's in your constitution. What I am not for is bullshit arguments and lies. Mm. There is one argument and one argument alone for having a gun, and this is the argument. Fuck off, I like guns. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the best argument, but it's all you've got. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with saying, "I I like something, don't take it away from me, but don't give me this other bullshit. The main one is, I need it for protection. I need to protect me, I need to protect my family. (laughs) Really? Is that why they're called assault rifles? Is it? (laughs) Never heard of these fucking protection rifles you speak of? (laughs) Protection? What the fuck are you talking about? You you have a gun in your house, you're 80% more likely to use that gun on yourself than to shoot someone else. And people think, well, that would never happen to me. You don't know that, because you know what? From time to time, we all get sad. 
one day you're happy, then you're sad, and then... Oh, oh, it was... <laughs> Protection. I had a break-in in Manchester, England, where I was tied up, I had my head cut, they threatened to rape my girlfriend, they came through the window with a machete and a hammer, and Americans always go, well, imagine if you had a gun. And I'm like, all right. I was naked at the time. <laughs> I wasn't wearing my holster. <laughs> I wasn't staring at the window waiting for cunts with machetes to come through. Like, what world do you live in where you're constantly fucking ready? <laughs> You have guns because you like guns. That's why you go to gun conventions. That's why you read gun magazines. None of you give a shit about the home security. None of you go to home security conventions. None of you read Padlock Monthly. None of you have a Facebook picture of you behind a secure door going, fucking yeah. <laughs> like you're gonna be ready if someone comes into your house. You have it at all fucking time. By the way, most people who are breaking into your house just want your fucking TV. <laughs> you think that people are coming to murder your family? How many fucking enemies do you have? <laughs> Jeez, you think a lot of yourself if you think everyone's coming to murder you. <laughs> See, if you have it readily available, it becomes unsafe. You have it in your bedside table. One of your kids picks it up, thinks it's a toy, shoots another one of your kids. Happens every fucking day. We'll go, that'll never happen in my house because I'm a responsible gun owner. I keep my guns locked in a safe. Then there's no fucking protection! <laughs> Someone comes into the house, you're like, wait there, fuckface. <laughs> oh, you've come to the wrong house here, buddy boy. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna fuck you up. He's opening okay. the safe. <laughs> Is it 32 to the left or 32 to the right? Your mother's birthday? Why the fuck would I know your fucking mother's birthday? Maybe if you didn't leave the window open because it's too hot in here, we wouldn't be getting fucking murdered right now. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's such a great bit. All right. So our guest today is Jason Chatfield. He is Australian. Mm -hmm. And Jason, tell us, why did you pick that bit? Well, the main reason is... A, it's one of the best bits ever written, mm -hmm. I think. Um, it's one of the best political jokes, a series of political jokes in a row uh, that doesn't at once sound like a lecture. Mm. There's, I yes. think there's a distinct way to do political comedy or comedy with a political message. And one way to do it is to like shoehorn it into your act in the middle of mm -hmm. a special, not naming any names. Uh, about gun control, mm -hmm. uh, and then completely alienate the crowd and make them feel weird. Um, or, like Sarah Silverman or Jim Jeffries, you can do it in a bit like this where you don't go more than eight seconds without a big laugh. Uh-huh. So dense. It's oh, it's just <laughs> laugh on laugh on laugh on laugh. And even when he has to explain the premise about the Australian... Um, the the Port Arthur massacre in '96 yes. with Martin Bryant, which was a big big shift in Australia, it was a big deal. And you guys didn't like that. Well, it wasn't great. Um, <laughs> he goes. He even makes a joke about the one of the most dark. That he goes still hasn't been beaten. <laughs> Biggest massacre in the world still hasn't been beaten. And then the the follow up, which is after that, we went. Oh, yeah, that's fair enough. I think that's all right. Yeah. And then the cultural shift, you know, because um, every time 
gun there's a mass shooting that bit goes viral on facebook every single time mm-hmm. there's a shooting mm-hmm. that pops up again on everyone's facebook and it does the rounds mm-hmm. it it that bit made him yes and he admits that he yeah, would admit yeah. that that bit made him and um he talks about it in freedom in his next yeah, special he does talk he's like about people it. come to me and they think they're gonna see like george carlin and right, then they right. see me do rape jokes for 45 minutes <laughs> <laughs> it's so just he's such I, a I, different comedian. one of the things i want to talk about is mm. how he sets it up yeah the very first thing he says is i know this splits the crowd yeah. instead of <clears> saying i'm right you're wrong yeah um and everybody who doesn't agree with me right now um can go fuck themselves instead what he says yeah. is i know this splits the crowd yeah. yeah in other words i know what i'm about to do well, is gonna is going to yeah um put you everyone at odds he prefaces it so well he he sets the foundation for this bit so well he knows he knows the audience he knows what they're thinking he knows because he's done the bit so many times he knows what the reaction mm-hmm. is he has and- every twist and turn mapped out oh absolutely he knows every beat of this bit he knows where he's directing he also knows who he's performing for which his audience is like pretty counterculture very like aggressive drinkers party like Mm -hmm. fun loving people which can go in any one of these gun nut or gun safety people i would actually say he is so in your face politically incorrect in general or Mm -hmm. his up to this point for sure that um a lot of the people who like him are very much not on the liberal side of things, and consequently, a lot of them are probably not particularly um, uh, inclined toward gun control. Well, he wrote this bit in California, so mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. Safe to do a bit like this yeah, yeah. in, in uh, LA, I, I, where he lives. In LA, sure, but the moment that you leave LA right, or San Francisco, so, you are in a very different place. Of course. Mm-hmm. So what he did was after he wrote it in LA and tried it a few times, he then took it on the road and he went to Texas, he went to Indiana, he went to um, Louisiana, he went to um, he went everywhere. He went to Ohio. He went to um, he t- he talks about it on Opie and Anthony a while back because he he wanted to take it on the road in the reddest states he could mm-hmm. yeah. and so really give it a run and get some get some real <laughs> feedback, which is ballsy as hell mm-hmm. when it's a, still a new bit. Um, and the thing about knowing your crowd and prefacing the bit, going, all right, I know this is going to divide people because it divides all Americans, especially with identity politics. Um, he has this ability to go, I'm a stranger in a strange land here. I'm an Australian. I've got a unique perspective on your thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in that we had a gun thing in Australia. Here's how we fixed it. Now, granted, you're very different cultures, very different countries with different mm-hmm. backgrounds, very different people. Here's my take on it. And to hold up that mirror the way he does as a goofy fucking Australian blokey yeah. bloke. Silly, oh. silly. But he's one of the most intelligent people you'll ever meet. He yes. comes off his character, his stage presence, his stage voice, his, his fucking blokey, hey, fucking go and he can. Mm-hmm. He is... One of the most intelligent people you'll ever meet. Have you met him? Uh, I haven't actually met him. No, I've How got a lot of friends know? who. <laughs> so I got friends, very very close friends, who have opened for him on tour, mm-hmm. and who know him extremely well, and who have told me these incredible stories of how you know, insanely um, insightful and intelligent he is as a guy. A really nice guy, big softy. Me and my girlfriend <clears throat> went to see him for my birthday. Oh, cool. And it wow. was the best comedy show I've ever been to by far. Mm. Like, I've seen Chris Rock live, and this was... Cool. So great. Wow. I want to yeah. talk about a little bit more about the, the things he does in this bit mm. uh, because there are so many masterful moves here. Mm-hmm. One of the things he does is he goes, okay, you don't have to believe this. Yeah. I, you don't need, my opinion doesn't even matter that much, but here is my personal life experience. Yeah. And it is 
I think that's one of the most powerful things I see in modern comedy mm-hmm. is here's what I th- I believe, but here's why I believe it. My personal life experience has led me to this. Right. Let me tell you the story. Mm-hmm. And that personal life experience, how can you argue with that? Yeah, you right. really can. And also he the entire bit is is his point a counterpoint his point a counterpoint mm-hmm. he's not like he's letting everyone be heard really yeah. as well as he can because do he's it. heard every counterpoint yes. to his mm-hmm. argument everyone argues this with him he's been yeah. on every radio show tv show ah. discussing this mm-hmm. he's heard every argument in the way that christopher hitchens has heard every argument for religion mm-hmm. he has something ready already with this whole kind of tit for tat like oh here's what you say here's what i say here's my personal experience if you wrote this bit down on a piece of paper and you charted it what it is is it goes from way out it's you could zoom Mm. it out to the world so here's the world here's humans and guns here's zoom into north america and australia these two continents right you take that and go here's this and then you zoom in even tighter to jim jeffries tied up um with a guy with a machete and a hammer that happening to him. That's which a true is, which, story. Which, by, which, the way. by the way, is the weirdest <clears throat> sexual fetish. It's just so strange that he would. <laughs> well, they also he also says threaten to rape my girlfriend. It's like it's right. also putting someone else's life in jail. It's like everyone. Right. That actually is, that, that story is true. Yeah. It's a really long. And you can Britain, hear the long right? version of I've that. Heard it, yeah. Um, Opie and Anthony. There was another comedian friend of his with him as well who was also tied up. Wow. Um, so there were three of them tied up and being threatened to be murdered. <laughs> and yeah. his friend almost said, almost fucked him over and said, kill Jim instead. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's a, he condensed that to like nine seconds. Oh, right. But I that mean, whole story is so... He could have done a whole special on that story, and but I, he didn't. I, what I love is that the moment that he delivers that information, yeah. it gives him some serious gravitas mm-hmm. that I don't even know if you would have had, even coming from Australia, and here's what we did as a culture. Yeah. But the moment it goes into that, I have been a victim of this, so mm. let me tell you what I think and why I think it. Yeah. Even I would... I know, um, you know, coming from Montana, coming from gun, like it, not Montana, mm. where I'm from, is uh, one of the top gun states in the nation. It yep. is right up there. It's like after Texas and one other. And even if they heard that, even my most gun totinist people, if they heard that yeah. part of it, yeah. they'd be like, okay, I'll listen to this. Well, yeah. the part of it that he starts to sound condescending when he goes, we got rid of guns. And we haven't had a mass murder since. Could be a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And he's starting to sound a little sarcastic and uppity. But then he he re, he sort of catches himself yeah. and then goes back to you know what he's actually talking about. And if those those states heard that bit, they would listen because who? What would you do in you? You immediately go. What would you do in that situation? You're tied yeah, up. Your girlfriend's yeah, tied up. Yeah. There's a guy with a machete and a hammer, and all they want is money or your TV or drugs or whatever. Right. Um. You don't have a gun, but imagine if you did have a gun. Because that's what people do say to him. They of say, course, imagine if you had a gun. Since you're from such a big gun state, I'm from a big gun state, but the part I'm from is a super liberal like mm-hmm. area. I'm from mm-hmm. North Carolina, but Durham is super liberal. Right. Um, what is usually the, if someone wishes to get in a gun control argument in Montana, what is it usually? Is it for hunting or is it for protection? What is the argument well, usually? The biggest part of it is personal freedom. Mm. Uh, that's the biggest argument, which is basically we live here. We don't live in a city. Right. We are fine with this. Yep. This mm-hmm. is our culture. There's still a frontiersman attitude toward yeah. it. Sure. Um, you. This is this is something <laughs> I that like I that. myself grew. Uh, I still connect with my father over guns. Yeah. yeah. 
And so you're saying, we're going to take this problem that you have over here in big cities mm-hmm. and crazy people and so on, uh, you know, shooters, and you're going to, because of them, you're going to come to this place where you've never been, mm. you don't know anybody from here, and you're mm-hmm. going to tell us how to live our life. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, uh, hunting is huge of yeah. in Montana. Yeah. It is honestly, like, it is one of my favorite things I've ever done. It's insanely fun. It's like this incredible primal thing mm. that like i i grew up doing and it, it was it's like you we we did it for hundreds of thousands of years before this right, mm-hmm. un, right. unless you are you uh also believe in jesus and so then it's only maybe <laughs> maybe six thousand but but like he had a gun yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i think the ballsy thing that he has done is be an immigrant and tell america oh, how God. one of the most yeah pardon the pun the most like trigger um, it's a trigger. <laughs> it's a trigger. Yeah. You start you start talking about gun control, and it's a trigger for an audience. They go, oh, they fold their arms, and go, oh, this fucking guy. Yeah, you know who, who's he to tell us how to fucking live? Go home, you know. Um, but he, it's a it was a ballsy move, but he really passionately feels because he's got a son here now. He's got a son. He's got a wife. He he lives in America. He's proud to live here. And um, I don't know. I feel like. Because of his experience, I feel like he really wants his kid to grow up in a world where, you know, he doesn't have to worry if he's going to get, mm. you know, shot. Because it's a very I just, way to die here. I wanted to point this out to the listeners. This, we talk about how many counterpoints and that he's like including everyone in the argument. This mm. bit, you got to listen to this bit in full. It's 16 minutes yeah, long. It's I, didn't, I just incredible. Cut, yeah, I suggested that you just that bit and but. Either side of it, there's there's the it's information. It's incredible. It's fantastic. Yes, it it's worth forever. a million. It's worth lessons. a listen. It's very funny. It's interesting. I mean, but also, I would say one thing that's cool about this bit is that you actually, I mean, you can disagree that it isn't just bullshit arguments, but you can also um, make eye contact with me, Jeff, because yeah. it's about you. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> he actually is not selling you to get rid of your guns at any point in this. He's saying, no. "I don't like them." Right. I'm not telling you you can't get he rid of it. He literally says, this is my belief on the opinion. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, opinion yeah. on the belief. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, 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 And he creates a distinction that I think is so important. The difference between taking away your guns versus bullshit argument and lies. Yeah. Like, I, I think I, that's what annoys him the most, is when it comes up, there's a mass shooting, inevitably, and then almost like it's preordained, there's the same arguments played out in the same order, in the same language, mm-hmm. the same vernacular is used every time. And as you say, there's is the personal choice thing, there's the freedom thing, there's the, um, no, it's a, it's my right as an American. It's All this stuff comes out in the same order. And he just hates the bullshit ones. Like, I needed to protect my family. Like, yeah. who the fuck? What does he say? He says, how, my, how highly do you think of yourself? Do you think everyone's yeah. coming to murder you and your family? You, you know what I wish he would. fucking enemies do you have? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crazy. Uh, you know what I wish that he would address is the one argument that I really cling to, mm-hmm. which is the apocalypse. Right. I want to be the most popular person in the apocalypse. Right. <laughs> and let me tell you something. People will be like, yeah. we uh, let's go hang out with Jeff because he can protect our food. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a burr bit, actually. <laughs> burr is like, I'll just be growing all these vegetables for yeah. the strongest guy in the neighborhood. <laughs> no <laughs> Which cups. is a great argument. <laughs> um, here's one of my... F- this is an interesting thing because you said you wanted to break down all the things that he does in this bit. Yes. 
I'm a fan of all the things he doesn't do in this. Do bit. tell. Well, what he's left out are the sort of more Carlin-esque lecture aspects mm-hmm. where he doesn't have to keep restating the point. He moves on from one point to the next on the same topic. Mm-hmm. He he will not linger to the point of ear bashing you. He won't, he's not trying to change your mind necessarily. He's giving you something, he's feeding your brain so that when you're walking home or you're driving home, it stays with you. He's burying something in your head, mm-hmm. like a seed, instead of giving a lecture. Because people tune out when people start lecturing you, especially... He's embedded. Like, I tuned right. out like, like 20 seconds ago when I started <laughs> this lecture. <laughs> Here's something he doesn't tell you. And I think this is an important thing for Americans to know. In 96, when John Howard, uh, the then prime minister, um, he had a gun amnesty. So anyone who had an unregistered gun could hand it in and they wouldn't be charged. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't be um, fined or arrested or anything like that. And then they had a gun buyback program where the government literally bought back your guns. Not at market price, but at a little bit below market price because that's what they could afford. And they had gun crimping, which is destroying guns. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's the thing. It was only for automatic weapons. Semi-automatic weapons are fine. You can have a semi-automatic weapon. In no, yeah, sorry, yeah, a, I was, a bolt action rifle, mm-hmm, right? Yeah, in not, not, Australia, mm-hmm. and I was gonna a say, lot wait of a people do. Everybody were, was allowed to have fully automatic sorry. weapons. <laughs> well, no, before <laughs> that, they were. Before that, they were. And the guy who committed the um, the Port Arthur, yeah, Port Arthur massacre, Martin Bryant, who was a really mentally ill guy. He had an, a, a bunch of automatic weapons on him, and he just fucking mowed down all these people in Tasmania. Um, and it was just a, ma- a massacre in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. And um, then when everyone gave, gave their guns back, um, the people still have shotguns. They still have bolt-action rifles. They mm-hmm. still have guns to Which, by the way, shoot foxes at their farm. what used to hunt with. If yeah, exactly. Hunt. That's the thing. Like, I, I think a lot of Americans think it's a blanket, oh, let's get rid of all the guns. It's like, no, let's get rid of the impractical automatic M16s because you're not shooting a fox with a fucking assault rifle. (laughs) Yeah, I get pistols, I (laughs) do, for personal protection. I understand pistols. I understand that. Um, But again, pistols... I get it too. Like I've shot a pistol. It's you shot a gun. I fun. get it. I'm, I consider myself a liberal, but I tell you, I understand the appeal. You feel like a god. That kind of power in your hands. You're like, geez, wow. You know. But you also have to have that mental capacity to to step back and go, well, all right. Yeah. With great power comes great responsibility. Right. Yeah. Uh, dare I say? Uh, so that's you know that's another important thing aspect to it that I think I love is, the know. compare and contrast that he does between. Here's what happened in Australia, mm. and we said, oh, "What's the phrase?" Oh. No more guns, and we went, "Oh, yeah, that sounds about right." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then America, fuck you, don't take my guns. Well, he started, and, yeah, and exactly. I, that compare and contrast is so it's so well done. It's just the wording he used, and I can imagine he did fifteen different versions of this joke until he whittled it down to exactly these words, which was, and then in Sandy Hook, and he says one of the most grim things in the whole bit, mm-hmm. and he says there were a bunch of kids shot. You know, a bunch of kids mowed down, and you said, maybe we'll get rid of the big guns? Yeah. And 50% of you went, fuck you, don't take my right. guns. <laughs> like, what a perfect way to contrast versus mm-hmm. no more guns, yeah, that sounds about right, to maybe just the big ones. <laughs> and then even that isn't 
Right. Yeah. You know, the polar, it's the polar opposite. That reaction. contrast yeah, is so good. It's so stark. And it and that's difficult. They laugh because it's real, because that's what happens. It has to ring true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it also has to uh, be as far apart as possible. Here's the first thing. Here's the second thing. And the yeah. further you can get them away from each other, if you can get them to be opposites, mm-hmm. the two statements, then all of a sudden you have comedy gold. And a lot of comedians try to do bits about you know, gun violence and stuff, but they really fall short because they just can't articulate it in the right way without sounding like they're lecturing everyone or Mm -hmm. being sanctimonious. Mm -hmm. The only other person to do it that well is Chris Rock. He has the bullet control. That's that's great. Bullet control is one of the best. If you made bullets expensive, what a fantastic lateral thinking move Uh that bit is. You know what this bit, not in terms of subject matter, but Mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me of the Bring the Pain special, the uh, black people versus N-word bit. Mm. Just a masterful counterpoint point. Totally. Counterpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we should introduce Jason though. Yeah. Uh, one one more thing, and then yeah. we'll get to whoever he is. Uh, <laughs> so I also really loved the the moment where he says he starts to paint a cartoon. Mm. That is so great when he says, "Okay, I was naked at the time. <laughs> I wasn't wearing my, my holster. holster. I wasn't wearing my holster. holster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He puts it in the Western voice <laughs> yeah. too." Yeah, and he and then he starts to create this. The, he has this whole cartoon yeah. of him having the muggers wait while he. Or sorry, what would they be called? Well, first of all, he has them coming through the window. He's not. I'm not sitting there at, pointing a gun at the window waiting for cats to come in with <laughs> machetes, <laughs> right? You know. And then uh, he says, "The responsible gun owners. And I'm a responsible gun owner." All of this is. It's a cartoon yeah. in counterpoint. Mm-hmm. So it's it's here's the cartoon of what didn't happen, and he paints this absurd picture, and yeah. you can see it in your mind yeah. while he's doing it. He does it really well too, because he starts on the on stage left, mm-hmm. and he actually has this great moment of he walks across the stage to the safe, go just wait there, and he kind of turns back at one point and just puts his finger up, go oh I'm gonna fuck you, you've come to the wrong house, buddy. <laughs> And then sort of walks in the safe, and he's doing this tiny little finger thing where he's twisting yes. the safe. Yes. The absurdity yes. that the guy would wait holding the gun, go, wait right. there, and right. then go off and get right. the What was it? Was it 32 left? Like the, and, and then it, he builds oh, yeah. and builds. And it becomes it's your, an your argument. Got, Why the fuck would I know your mother's birthday? <laughs> the just, argument. <laughs> all of that is so masterfully just laugh on laugh on laugh on cartoony, mm-hmm. insane, like just absurdity. Right. Because it is fucking absurd. Like, yeah, then they're no fucking good in a safe. Right. And no protection. Right. That's the point right. that he's making is like all the counterpoints that you give, they're total bullshit. For a little while, yeah. my father uh, was keeping – so my father was is a is a is um, an ex-Marine. He was in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And uh, he used to when – when my, he first got to, together with my – uh, mother, mm. he would sleep with a handgun under the pillow. Oh, so I grew up hearing that, never thinking that was a strange thing. Yeah. Uh, that's just the way the world was because I was a child. Now I look back at it and I go, "That's insane." What? Yeah, that's like a that's like a cartoon, uh, like a Warner Brothers cartoon. Yeah, yeah. And for a little while too, uh, because there were like break-ins happening in their neighborhood, yeah. my dad just grabbed an assault shotgun and set it next to the bed, uh, just in case. Who? What kind of fucking? enemies does your dad have like is he from taken like what's he you're gonna hear i'm gonna play a bit later where i sort of talk about this Uh and he is the sweetest nicest guy i'll bet but but you know his life experience informs who he is as Mm. as it all is for all of us and um he was in a number of situations in vietnam that made him decide that he wants to be prepared for things like that yeah 
Um, I even remember one of the earliest things I remember, one of my earliest very big memories is we were up at our cabin in the woods mm. and my dad fired off his, his 44 Magnum sh- uh, handgun to scare off a bear that was on our uh, on our porch because uh-huh. somebody had left out trout <laughs> and he had to, he's firing off this gun to scare away this bear. Uh-huh. So like, I mean, I just come from such a different background from most people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you come from a cartoon. Yeah. You literally come from a Warner Bros. cartoon. <laughs> Somebody left trout on the porch. You gotta shoot the bear. And and um, I'm not gonna get into what I think uh, because it's all in the bit. But yeah, um, all right. yeah. So any, anything else on this before? Well, we... I just wanted to wrap it up that bit just by saying yeah. that the one thing that you the biggest crime you can commit with a bit like that is that it's not funny. And mm-hmm. Jim is oh my god, he's not guilty of that at all. It is one of the funniest. It's so jokes, good. bits, chunks I've ever heard in my life. And it's one of the most deftly articulated messages that will keep on ringing. It'll keep on going viral until something changes. And he doesn't, he's not that upset about that. <laughs> yeah. It's to his, you know, to his benefit. It's so well done. It's when I heard it, I just, my jaw was slack and open, staring at the screen, going, mm. What is going on? It's magic, this yeah. is momentous. Right, yeah. Come on. Let's talk about sex. Our guest today is Jason Chatfield. He is a stand-up comedian, a voice actor, a cartoonist and illustrator based out of New York City. Back in his native Australia, Jason is known for being the cartoonist of the country's most syndicated comic strip, Ginger Megs, which appears daily in 34 countries. He currently lives and works in his studio in Manhattan, <laughs> uh, which is, uh, it's, you have a double-wide shoebox, right? Yeah. A single. single. Uh, Oh, uh, sorry. Didn't mean a little hoity-toity there for a moment. Yeah, one day, Um, maybe. As a stand-up comedian, you can catch him in Manhattan, often at The Stand, Dangerfields, The Village Lantern, Broadway Comedy Club, and Greenwich Village Comedy Club. He is also, uh, this is going to go on a little long, he's the vice president of the (laughs) National Cartoonist Society. He's recently been featured in the mecca of American cartoon publications, The New Yorker. Indeed, I just saw a photo on his Facebook page. (laughs) Of him hanging out in Portland with Simpsons creator Matt Groening. Yeah. You might have seen Jason on Funny or Die or as the New York correspondent for ABC News Breakfast, ABC Radio, Nova 100, and The Project, or on his podcast, The Stand-Up Comic Strip. And the last thing I want to say here is, as a world-famous cartoon and a hysterically funny stand-up comedian, he truly is the comic of comics. Oh, boy. That's uh, well. That's all, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> and actually, the most important credit, I think, uh, I can't believe I left this out. He created the artwork for this podcast. Oh yeah, it's his best work yes. to date. Yes, <laughs> it's the best. Shit He's in the world. red. Your face is red. This is great. It's, I'm, I'm, you should be my agent. <laughs> yeah, that was a good hard sell. It's quite a wrap. Yeah, if you look at your phone right now, pick it up. That's my scribble. Uh, yeah, we've been trying to get him on the podcast for a few weeks. It's I'm so mm-hmm. glad he could be here. Um, Jason, thank you for you know finally condescending to do it <laughs> <laughs> from I your really lofty, lofty studio. I was going to do it the first week. Remember before you guys even were, re- and then somehow I don't I had, I had like to go to Minnesota. It. I don't <laughs> like it when facts ruin a good joke or opinion. <laughs> if you don't mind, please uh, refrain. Uh, why stand up? Why stand up? Wow, geez, start with the small stuff. Um, I, I always thought it was magic. I always thought mm. it was some kind of dark magic because I love <laughs> dog magic, dark magic, yeah. but dog magic sounds. Oh no, better. no. I, I heard dark magic. All right. But I was just trying uh, to do an impression of your <laughs> stupid accent. Uh, it is a stupid accent. <laughs> um, 
I, I used to listen and I, you know, regret to say this now, but um, my family used to go on these weekends away in little cabins in the woods, believe it or not, and there was no phones and there was no computers or anything. Um, there was just a big record player mm-hmm. and we used to listen to old comedy records. So like Carlin and especially Cosby, mm-hmm. we'd listen to over and over again and we'd laugh every time. Like it was, we knew what was coming and we'd still laugh. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking, how the fuck is he doing that? Mm-hmm. That's insane. Like, and it would be hours and hours of these bits, you know, from Why yeah. Is There Air and all these great albums. And I just always remember in the back of my head thinking, oh, i got to figure out how to do that one day. And then I kind of just got, I, you know, I tried to act and I tried to... You know, I, tr- I tried to, for acting schools and I didn't make it because um, the uh, head of the acting school, when I finally got through to the final round of auditions, said, uh, Jason, you're not a, you said in your application you're a cartoonist who wants to be an actor. I think you're a cartoonist who wants to be a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a comedian. I think that's yeah. what a comedian is. Yeah. So I was like, ah, oh, but it is stand up. So I started. Amazing pork word. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, June, no, June 2007. So 10 years this month. Ten years ago, wow. this month. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. It's just so good. It's it's so you're the I'm time still figuring it all your belt out. is apparent. Uh, <laughs> Whenever um, I you. go up on the same show as you, you're one of those people where like I watch you and I'm like, yep, got to bring it because I can't, <laughs> I can't just write on stage tonight. I want to do a fucking show because every time I've seen you, even if you're doing new material, it's um, I actually uh, really admired your um, ingenuity the other night, Harrison, when you held the mic stand with your dick. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I did kind of hold it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it was kind of tilting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that. I just found myself doing it. Breaking it new. Like, Most comics do dick jokes. His mm-hmm. dick is the joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just pushed the stand. So of his curly. Dick. It's um, it's so it, yeah. It's curly and it has those weird prehensile little <laughs> phalanges that come out the tip of it. Phalanges. Yeah. What a fun oh, word that is. Weird. That's gills too. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> that is a living, breathing yeah. thing. I always think because people uh, assume that once you get past a certain point, it's an amphibian. It likes it wet. <laughs> That was its nickname in high school, the amphibian. Uh, Yeah, people assume that you just stop doing mics. And I'm like, are you kidding? I'm still, I mean, you you never stop doing mics. You got to write all the time. And how the fuck are you going to, I mean, yeah, you go on the road and you're doing, you know, you might shoehorn a little bit in here or bookend a new bit there, but you always do mics. I mean, Mm -hmm. you always work stuff out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Some people are like, oh, what are you doing here? I'm like, what, what wouldn't I be doing here? I know, <laughs> I know. I'm not even remotely past the point of not, you know, of, of, of thinking it's weird to be at a mic. It's bizarre. When did you, what was that moment where you're like, I'm going to do this? Here's the thing. I, I started out back in Perth in Western Australia at a time when there was a bit of a comedy renaissance, right? Everyone could get up every night if they wanted to because there wasn't that many of us. There were maybe 15 of us who wanted to get up every night. And there was a show every night if we wanted it. So we just got up. And we thought we were good, but we weren't. But there was no one else doing it. So what, what the hell did we know? And we were watching clips on, you know, online going, well, have you heard of Rick Shapiro? Have you heard of this guy, that guy? And, um, and I, I remember just thinking, well, I like doing this but I can't figure it out. I'm not good at it. And for many years, that's what it was. I moved to Melbourne for six years and I did the Melbourne International Comedy Festival or every year. But then I would do 25 shows in 25 days, uh, an hour on stage every night. And then for the other 11 months, I'd just bum around and maybe do two gigs a week or three. That's not doing comedy. That's having a hobby. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. I didn't have enough... Like in my brain, I was so fucking lazy that I was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to... 
I don't know if I'm going to make this a thing. This is always going to be a side thing for me because the cartooning job is, you know, is a day thing. There's no, you know, I can work during, um, do comedy at night and do cartooning during the day. But the comedy, I just wasn't at a point where I'm, I was at any level close to good. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment in 2013 where I did an hour-long show and I finally started talking about stuff that I gave a shit about. Instead of jokes that I thought people wanted to hear, I started to write stuff that I actually cared about. Uh, and it went over really well. It got like four and a half star review. It got like, it was a big, it sold out every night and it whoa, got, it got so like a really cool. good reception. And that was a moment I was like, well, this could be a thing I could do. And that was directed by a guy who actually kind of told me, hey, you need to focus your energy on, on this because you seem to, every time we talk, you seem to want to talk about that, but you never talk about it on stage. Um, yeah, and then I moved over here in 2014 and uh, just threw out everything from Australia, everything. Every joke I'd ever written, started again and went up with nothing for like months and just ate shit and then started to get good again uh, in America. Mm-hmm. And I thought, all right, this is something I could do. And then, you know, um, about 12 months ago, I had a moment where I was starting to do shows, like proper shows at clubs. And uh, I lost the, I, try, I, I shook that self-doubt where I wasn't so caught up about not self-promoting because I, I had a big hang-up about that, as, you know, a lot of people do. And I was like, well, if I'm not going to self-promote. Who the fuck else is going to yeah. do it? So I started self-promoting. You're good at it now. And I and started I to really annoying. believe in myself. It's not annoying. You're, you're good at it. It's, it comes well, across as, as just... Um, just genuine narcissism. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing that I I love about the way you self-promote though, and you don't do it to, I mean, like it's not, it's just good promotion because you have these like beautiful (laughs) caricatures and cartoons incorporated (laughs) with it. So I was like, who can get mad at a cartoon when it's just like, what's up guys? I'll be at Caroline's. Oh, actually that sounds like a reasonable (laughs) thing. And you're drawing caricatures of yourself. It's so great. When I just do hyphens and then it's like, a bar that no one goes to, and then like, uh, and then a joke about me being at my girlfriend's house. Like yeah. that's that sucks. <laughs> but then it's just like it's like a cartoon of you, right. like eating pussy or whatever you do. That's, and oh, that's, that's you don't do cartoons like I that. Should. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be I, so I want to see one the, oh, where it's just it's like from the perspective of her belly button, mm. and it's just through a forest of pubic hair, and it's you just like my on face. Your nose, but you don't see any genitals. You <laughs> no, just see your my goofy face. <laughs> I don't know why I'm southern now. Well, it's funny too because you uh, you did the uh, cartoon for uh, you did the promotion for this podcast that everyone has been telling us is so great. And I hope you've gotten work from it, even though comics don't really. Well, I always give comics a special rate because we don't Mm -hmm. make a lot of money up at this end. Your cartoon, Mindy Tucker. She wait a minute, you you make a lot of money. What have I done? You you just mentioned making money at this. I've never I've never heard I've never done that. No, it's a, no, it's it a very amazing. It's a very odd concept for comedians yeah. making money. I'm only just starting to make money this year doing comedy, and I'm ten years in. Yeah. When I say just starting to make money, I mean like proper money, right. like yeah. not you know little twenty five dollars here and there, like mm-hmm. actual money on the road and doing like bigger gigs and mm-hmm. corporates and stuff oh, like that. Yeah. That's just starting for me this year. And like I said, I was pretty fucking lazy with it for many years. So I you are just, not now. You're an inspiration now to me. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. A lot of people, I end up getting more people 
like following me on social media or anything after a bar show mm-hmm. because I do plug myself sort of to people after a show. You know, I'll, if, if, someone, if someone comes up and says, hey, I really liked your stuff, I used to, A, not be able to take a compliment. Mm-hmm. So I'd go, ah, you're crazy. And then, and then my, I went to a psychologist about this because he was like, how do you think that feels to them? They just tried to pay you a compliment and you went, oh, you're crazy. Even if you're kidding, that's not a nice way. Just say thank you. Even if you just say thank you and yeah, don't mean it, just say thank you. you. So I, I, that's all I did for it. I said thank you for years. And then I think it was like Ian, Lara or Ashley Gavin or someone said, well, what are you yeah. doing? They came up to you and told you they liked your stuff. They want more. Give them a card or something. Give them, add them on, so, get them on your mailing list. Like fucking get them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I always thought, I felt a bit icky about doing that, but I'm like, oh, fuck it. It's a business. For you. Do yeah. it. They, they so came up you to you. You didn't you approach them. They came up to you and said, hey, I liked your stuff. So now I say, thank you so much. Uh, and then just, I go, well, you, can you follow me on social if you want? You know, find out where I'm, I'm up next, you know. Come on. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk just a tad about the theme. Today is about political comedy. And I had a couple of thoughts I wrote down. First of all, was one of the things I love about political comedy is that even if I don't agree with it, mm-hmm. it makes me think about things in a new way. Yeah. I like that. Hmm. It challenges my perspective. Not everybody likes that, but I love it. Yeah. More to the point, it gets me to educate myself because I want the I want to know the joke, and sometimes oh, I don't know what you're talking about. about. Right. right so right, I'll right. look it up. I'll be like, everybody was laughing, but uh, but me. <laughs> Even at a mic or a show, sometimes I'll I'll pull out my phone and be like, yeah. I didn't know who that was. <laughs> you do stuff that's quite political sometimes. Because you, you look like the antithesis of every other comic who gets up and goes, hey, man, liberal, 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 liberal stuff. You get up there looking like you're about to tell everyone about how much you love guns. I know, but it, but I am super liberal. I know you are, but you don't look it. Yeah. You have to kind of uh, tell everyone <laughs> yeah. up top, hey, I know I look like... It made I, it I very easy Trump. to roast him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I just... There's so much neo-Nazi stuff in there. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. I know. got American and History it, X over here. It is. Ameri- <laughs> it's yeah. one of my jokes. It's, yep. it's, that's my... That's right. my uh, that was... Uh, yeah, I don't want to get too far into that, but that definitely was uh, a, a tough realization. Yeah. You're to- such a contradiction, too, which is the crazy because yeah. you are so many extreme. You're polyamorous. That's far, 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 far left, <laughs> and you own a shotgun. And it's like what? Yeah, you're a bag <laughs> of cats. You're a real mixed bag. That's great, though. As a comedian, what a fantastic. I know it's you know a lot mm-hmm. of agents and bookers want to put you in a box and go, oh, he's that guy. He does that stuff. Yeah, but what a great contradiction to be that that. Um, to have that many different traits mm-hmm. that just don't fit traditionally within mm-hmm. a human person. I just love comedy that contradicts itself. So yeah. I and I like comedians that contradict what you think they're yeah. gonna be. Mm-hmm. Right. I totally. love that. Yeah. yeah. I thought Australians were funny. But ah! too hey, hey, I was waiting New for Zealanders. It, I, I thought I'd hung, hang back until it came and then there it came. Yeah, probably this is yeah. the most hack shit you've ever heard. <laughs> it's more like a firecracker, less like a firework. It was all right though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. One of the things about political comedy is that it tends to not be evergreen comedy. Yeah, that's true. It has a shelf life. It does. And uh, in a way that family comedy, relationship comedy, things like that, sex, those tend to be relatively evergreen. Yeah. And... But, but political comedy, it's done after a certain point because it beca- the, the the current event becomes history. Yeah. And once it's history, then it, you, they may know it, they may mm-hmm. not. Right. It, yeah. There's some Carlin specials that haven't dated well 
because and he did one every year it mm-hmm. seemed uh yeah. at one point and some of them haven't dated well because of that nature mm-hmm. of things not being evergreen some have dated well because of their universally you know political but um that's why there is a daily show yeah it's not the monthly show yeah, yeah. it's the daily show because tomorrow it's it's done <laughs> yeah um and same with i mean even last week tonight they they maybe pull out an episode whenever they've got enough ready but once it's done like you watch an episode of that from a year ago even and you're like yeah yeah we, we got that and yeah. um who is it the senator from uh, minnesota what's his name uh Al Franken, he started out as a comedian, political comedian, and he had to turn over his material all the time because he was always doing comedy. He's doing a show at Joe's Pub, actually, uh, coming up called A Rant Is Due. Uh, which, oh, wow. you know, he's like being built. Wait, Everyone's still doing stand-up? Still doing stand-up. He's actually still a senator oh, and a stand-up. I didn't know That's that. So the New Yorker cool. did a thing on it recently, like, can, is he allowed to be funny? <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, and it's because like all this stuff has built up, and he's such an angry guy yeah. that uh, he's got all this rant to to say about about Trump and about politics and about the state of the the, the nation. Yeah. And what better perspective than a guy who was a comedian who became a senator who put his money where his mouth is instead of just going these senators ought to do this? He yeah. was like, I'm going to stand, and then I am a senator, and I'm doing this. He's mm-hmm. unique. He's, he's unique. very unique. Yeah, and, he is the most political comedian, I would say, more than Bill Maher. And I would say one of the things about political comedy, by the way, first of all, my hat's off to him. He is right. to 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 do that level. Mm. I hear Eddie Izzard is about to do this. He's doing the same yeah, thing. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. One of the things I, I have in my head about political comedy because I'm you know working on getting more club work and mm-hmm. you're you're you want to be booked. Political comedy, uh, unless it's the only thing you do and you're a hundred already known for it, is it's indulgent it can in be. a way yeah. it can be very indulgent because it's not as saleable mm-hmm. it's not a you, you, your your job is to make a whole room of people laugh and political comedy is tougher if you're a comedy club owner mm. and you want to fill your place up and everybody leaves they're happy and they laugh mm-hmm. you're taking a big risk on a political comedian that's absolutely right i actually a booker told me in no uncertain terms he said I book comedians who encourage the escapism that a comedy club affords people. Mm -hmm. They're coming out on a Friday or a Saturday night to just get away from all the shit they've had to listen to all week. You know, the news and their boss and their co-workers and the internal politics of their office and their internal friendship group politics, all the shit. All they want is escapism. They want to laugh at a funny joke from a a, a woman or a man who they can actually – I either identify with or laugh at. We don't get to be comedy gurus right now. <laughs> That's why you listen to Silverman yeah. so you can hear her opinions on big things or yeah, Jeffries. Yeah. And you listen to us to talk about our penises and right. vaginas. This and is the distinction between stupid. Bill Burr and, 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 and Sarah Silverman yeah. and, and Bill Maher. They have a voice that you go to to hear their take on a thing. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think we're at a point where while we still need to distinguish ourselves and find a voice that sets us apart... It's very dangerous to identify yourself now as a political comedian because, as you say, you know it's hot, it's hot, it's a big I risk. I stopped. I stopped. stopped. I used to be way more, way, way more political. Yeah, me too. Um, and go after the things that mattered to me like mm-hmm. that. 
And I stopped because a comedy club owner said to me, he was just like, look, man, he's just like, this is very one-sided and it's, I get it and it's funny, but um, I have a job to do here and you need to be able to make everyone laugh who comes to the club. And I went, you're right. I don't need to be this, you know, delicate flower. I can't say what I want to say. Like People do do that, though. I know they do, but I said to myself, I I can get there. Mm -hmm. I can wait. I can be patient. There will become a time. And even though these are (laughs) true things, unfortunately, the counterpoint is the liberal redneck, who our first guest, Drew Morgan, tours with because he set himself out. It's literally, I am a liberal Mm -hmm. redneck. Liberal redneck is my moniker. And... He still gets to do what he that's wants. A, to. That's a hook. Liberal redneck it's is a hook. It's fucking yeah. such a hook. So, yeah, that's a very specific persona too. Yeah, there's there's exceptions to everything, but I'm in New York and I'm yeah, trying yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, they're, the they're catering to tours. Totally. And the other thing is that you you find a niche as a comedian. You find your audience. You find a niche. Jim Jeffries took years and years mm-hmm. and years to find that audience. Right. There's a lot of people that don't like Jim Jeffries, but he has an audience. Um, you can just keep touring around and doing, and, and you know, podcasting is a great way to do that mm-hmm. to find your audience and have them follow you wherever you want to go. Um, that's a very modern way around this problem that we have. You know, it used to just be doing clubs. Yeah. Now you can get around it by doing podcasting, and that yeah. I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I think it's good. Um, but I used to do a lot of political comedy back in Australia. Every I had a regular Sunday uh, spot on rotation where I would talk about the week in politics. It was a national TV spot. And it was a big thing. I did that for years, for like six, seven years. And um, I'd go over the weekend politics in cartoon, editorial cartoons. And I loved it because I'd, I'd pour over the forensics of legislation and mm-hmm. Hansard. Like I, I, you can't tell you how big of a political nerd I was. And as soon as I moved here, I very consciously said, well, I'm an immigrant. I really don't have any um, business meddling in the affairs of American politics. Mm-hmm. I really feel like I'm not welcome to tell everyone what I think about the way that it is here and how it should and be. so instead, you sold out. And I totally... You know, <laughs> I was speaking and speaking I, I kind of did. I yeah. bitched out. I did So, so speaking goofy, of, let's yeah. hear one of those bits that you wrote instead uh, to bitch out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is called... Egg bit. It's <laughs> <laughs> very political, guys. Get Sorry. ready. Because okay. I like this, this. It's been a weird Easter. It's been a very strange Easter. Like I just this weekend found out. I've just found out I'm allergic to eggs. Right? They're in everything. They're, I, I'm eating eggs every day of my life for 32 years. I'm shitting battery acid thinking that's how people live. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know. I just thought that was eggs. I didn't. I didn't know. I thought that was brunch. I didn't know. I went to the doctor. I was like, "Is it cancer?" He's like, "No, it's eggs. Get out. Get out of my face." Uh, this thing's gonna figure out. That's why. I can't even go to br- like brunches. Everything on the menu now is eggs. Brunch is a struggle because everything. <laughs> the widest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Brunch is a struggle, guys. Brunch is a struggle. Oh my god. Why does that get It is! It is! Brunch is a 
struggle because everything on the menu is eggs. And it's just like kale and couscous. That's it. That's it. It's a funny it's couscous, that's a weird that's a weird name for a food, isn't it? Couscous. Try looking someone in the eye and just saying couscous. <laughs> Couscous sounds like what old Greek men call pussy. Don't you think so? <laughs> <laughs> Show me your couscous, please. <laughs> Come on, please, take off your face. Show me your couscous, please. I am Greek. Why are you lying? Wrap them by the couscous. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jason Chappell. Thank you for watching. Very political. Oh, you are a goofball. Yeah. I'm a man. I've, I've heard that battery ass a bit. <laughs> this is how people leave. I remember oh, I, when the first time I heard you use the word battery ass, I was like, that is perfect. It used yeah. to be yeah. in Australia, the bit was, um, it, well, I, try, I tried it in Australia and then dropped it because it wasn't doing that great. It was just before I left. I said, um, uh, shitting bitumen. And, you know, bitumen is the, the hot um, asphalt that they lay on a road. Like that steaming, <laughs> hot, gravelly. Yeah. And I said shitting bitumen because it had that nice phonetic, that nice sort yeah, of... it sounds good. It, it, shitting bitumen. But then all of a sudden, uh, I got here and no one knew what the fuck bitumen is. Yeah, we both, <laughs> our, both our faces were like, yeah, what, what, what is, is bitumen? bitumen? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Battery acid was the... I went through about 20 different I'm things. sure. Ethan Hall helped with that. He That's just, we had this big long list of... <laughs> Simile, <laughs> horrible things that, things that could come out of your ass and mm-hmm. hurt. That's funny. <laughs> You're like bowling ass. balls. No, no, no. It's not quite right. It's, it's, it's <laughs> runny. <laughs> yeah, it's funny though because like uh, you we, we set that up like it's it's like jokingly selling out. <laughs> but anything that's autobiographical or stems from like your real life is never going to be. I mean, everyone's always going to be listening. They might yeah. just think someone else has said it. I guess, but what is? I mean. I, don't know. I mean, I, I have a set now that I use. Uh, this is this is the thing. Like, I built a set. The way you're saying is, I have well, a set now. Here's the thing. Like, there is so much I want to say that I would be very unwise for me to say at this point, especially on the road. Um, the most political stuff I, I have now is coming onto the stage and saying, well, I've wanted to live in America my whole life. Oh yeah. I feel yeah. like I've caught you at a weird time. Like <laughs> you know, I got the brochure, it was hope change. Yes, we can. I got here, it was grabbing by the pussy. I don't know what the fuck they're stuck. You know, and then I used to have this whole bit about Trump and 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 Hillary and I dropped all of it because I was like, I it's too divisive now. You could do it if oh God, see now I want to help you write. <laughs> no, no, and you and I write sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. and you you're very helpful with that stuff, but I have to step back from it for the moment yeah. until I have a very solid act and I find my voice a little more. And, and then I can, you know, I can start dropping it in there. One of the greatest bits I heard, oh, this is this was amazing. I went to see Norm MacDonald last Friday oh, at Caroline's. Yeah. And his opener, I wish I could tell you his name, Johnny something. Fuck, I wish I could. He kind of, uh, mustache, uh, kind of a hipster haircut. Johnny Mustache. Let's call him Johnny yeah. Mustache. God, look it up. Please look it up because he's a great comedian. Um, and the joke was, listen, you're, you're all expecting me to do a Trump joke. I know you're all, I'm not going to talk about Trump tonight. And everyone's like, woo. And he goes, you know, people come up to me and they're like, oh, you must be so happy. It must be so easy being a comedian now with Trump. I'm like, oh my, are you kidding? Writing a joke about Trump is like writing a joke about an orphanage fire. It's already funny. <laughs> 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 everyone 
lost their fucking minds. The norm crowd, you know. <laughs> That's really And great. it was that was all he did. That was all the political stuff he did. And it was a great joke because it was nothing really to do with politics or uh, apart from, you know, just how insanely like, dark yeah. it was. I want to ask you about the the egg bit for a second. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. When you pivot over into Couscous. brunch as a struggle yeah and I would love <laughs> that's, that's that. new by the way that's that's in the last couple of months yeah i like oh, it. I <laughs> it what i like about brunch as a struggle is that brunch is the most relaxed thing that you do at the end of the week <laughs> yeah. that is just come feed me yeah in the bottomless mimosas we stay here as long as we want I'm very conscious about saying it's the whitest thing I've ever said because, yeah, traditionally it is such a white bread thing to fucking do, go out for brunch. But I go to brunch in Harlem all the time now because there's amazing restaurants. And, you know, brunch is – it's really picking up in the black community. And that, <laughs> I know that sounds super – a little off, but they were talking about it on the Comedy Cell podcast recently and they, they asked like – Wait, which part of Harlem is this? Uh, up on like 125th. In West 25th? Uh, yeah, West 25th, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. the musical theater Harlem now. That's right. a very... But no, no, no. But further further east you go, there are actually a yeah, lot then, of... Oh, yeah, it no, turns I know. into Brunch Harlem. Yeah, Brunch Harlem. <laughs> Have you heard of Brunch Harlem? No, I'm just saying, you know, and it comes with the gentrification of Harlem, I guess. But um, yeah. but it's a lot of black people going at brunch, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, yeah, well, it's, it's almost marginalizing to say it's just a white thing to say. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm conscious get... of that. I'm conscious You of might that. should change the tag when it doesn't... Yeah. Stay, remain funny if that but I don't think that's offensive and I don't yeah. think it's a yeah. I think w- the point you're getting across is, is perfectly yeah, fine the widest thing and I've ever I do said. like I like that so then you pivot over and the brunch is the struggle right mm-hmm. which is painting something that's not hard mm-hmm. as something that's very hard you're right it's a uh, first world problem perfect and and then you do what I totally relate to you on which is I finally get to do my silly voice. Oh, you're, man. You're like, Me ah! and my fucking silly yeah. voices. It's, I totally get it. I love it, too. I love I it. I so love many it. in my act now. Yeah. And, and, and your, your old Greek voice is so good. <laughs> it's so great. Because it doesn't even sound Greek. No. It's no, not yeah. even Greek. And in it, you'll notice I say, I am Greek. Yeah. And it's like, you know, don't you love when old Greek men say, I am Greek? They don't. That's not a thing. Also, that's the only way you'd know he was Greek. Him saying, I am Greek. That's not how Greek men sound. Yeah. But it's better that it's even funnier than how Greek men sound. Please, (laughs) please, please animate this. Oh, God, man. I would love to see. It's funny. A lot of Israelis come up to me after the show and they always go, you know that kus means pussy in Israeli. I'm like, I do now. Yeah. (laughs) Every show someone comes up and tells me. And I pretend I didn't know. I'm like, ooh. (laughs) Yeah. You pick this bit just because the show, well... Eh, this is what I need to do right now. Yeah, yeah it is. You know what? And it's uh, I'm getting good gigs, and it's not. I'm featuring an MC, it so I'm not come. a headliner yet. It will come. Yeah, and I'm fine with yeah. that. I'm more than fine yeah. with waiting. Like I'm not in a rush at all. Come on, let's talk about sex. So uh, we have a choice: either George Carlin's <laughs> bit or my bit. Your bit. Choose your yours. own adventure. Wow. <laughs> let's do your bit. Because it does, then it's yeah, a counterpoint. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm uh, getting appropriately nervous. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh... Hey, let's get really judgy about Jeff. <laughs> this is um, uh, Jeff's bit where he talks uh, so lovingly about Sandy Hook. Okay. It's fun. All right. So <laughs> it's fun for the whole family. Oh, no, boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Set this up, Jeff. What's yeah, the yeah, bit? yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just preface it. So <laughs> this was my. What I was trying to do with this bit is I wanted to just give perspective. I wasn't trying to argue a line of reasoning. Mm. Um, and it originally came from 
uh, an understanding, and you'll hear it in here, that I was being a hypocrite about guns. Mm. And I and I had heard, you know what? I'd heard a number of comedians talk about it, that, that this, if you have one of those things, mm. that's what you need to talk about. Yeah, right. And it scared me, and it was rough, and we'll listen to it, and I'll tell you <laughs> some early <Okay>. attempts. <laughs> right. Uh, so, all right. I'm from Montana, which um, is a state that people can come. I feel like I have to tell people from New York that. Like, people can come from Montana. (laughs) It is, it's what you would expect from a rugged agricultural state. It is, it's the south of the north. It is, it is Montucky all the way. And it, but it does, it it doesn't have a lot of diversity, but it, it does have, a small African-American community named Jerry. <laughs> I, I knew him. He was a good guy. He was a, he was a great culture. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, so it's, it's different. Like, I, I really have a different background than a lot of people in urban areas. Well, I went to the University of Montana as well. And you know you get that, like, that brochure that, that, like, tells you as a teenager, it answers all those questions that you're wondering as you leave your home for the first time. And I remember the fir- third one down was uh, what every teenager wants to know, can I bring my guns? <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> we have gun lockers for you. <laughs> so I brought my guns to college. <laughs> uh, and, and, like, so I, but I was, I was too lazy to actually take them to the gun locker. Uh, I just put... Oh, I put two rifles and a shotgun under my dorm bed and just called it a day. <laughs> and so uh, I, my roommate got really mad at me and tried to get even with me about something, and he ratted me out. And I had to go down to the dean's office, and this is how big of a deal was. They were like, Mr. McBride, uh, we understand you have weapons in your dorm. Yeah. Well, we regret to inform you that you gotta take him to the gun locker, dude! (laughs) (laughs) So it's a different world. It's really, it's a really different place. And I bring this up because I just want to tell people that, like, it's, there's such a big issue, and we're really divided on it, and... Um, like, I believe that guns, I believe, you don't have to agree with me, but I believe that, that guns are a scourge on our country, they're too prevalent, and anybody can get them, and it's causing problems. I believe that. I don't act on that belief system at all. <laughs> clear. I still have my guns. I, and I know, <laughs> I know that means I'm the problem, a little bit, like, uh, but I'm not entirely the problem. Because there's a whole other group of people out there that do not share the urban view of this. There's a whole bunch of other people out there. What I'm trying to say is, you need me. (laughs) Because I can talk to them. (laughs) They don't want to listen to your shit. (laughs) There are people out there who are just like this. We're like, you can pry my guns out of my cold, dead fingers, and you can try. But I'm the one with the guns. (laughs) You need me (laughs) to be like, come on, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) I had guns since I was ten years old. I did. 
but only because all the other children had one. <laughs> I was jealous. It's a different place. That's my point. It's a different culture. They have a different background. Montana is a beautiful, pristine, untouched place. And that beauty is something you might have to fight off of you. <laughs> With a gun. Like, I'm just saying it's different. It's different. And you got to understand there's a different heritage to it. Like my dad is the nicest, sweetest guy. I lucked out. I have great parents. At some point, I know, they turned to each other and they were like, well, he's not going to shut up about this. We gotta, Santa's gotta get this kid a gun. <laughs> He's causing trouble in the house. Let's send him out in the neighborhood with the other kids as well. We're bad parents. This is just a different culture. It's a different culture. It's not, and, I, and I'm not defending it. I'm just trying to get you to see this other side. So, like, I mean, look, my dad, he's, there is, over the sign of our cabin in the woods, there, over the, there's a sign over the door of our cabin in the woods, it says, because nice matters. That's what you see when you come into our cabin. My dad has a collection of, of, of assault rifles as well. He loves flowers. <laughs> and I've been down into his World War III preparation bunker. <laughs> I'm just saying, he doesn't, they don't see it the same. Uh, that's, that's fucking great. Oh, man. Fantastic. That is a oh God. solid bit. I love the way you orchestrate setting up what you're about to go into because you're painting such a good picture. Mm-hmm. I love that you say south of the north because it's just we've, we've joked about that before because I'm mm-hmm. from the south. But it is so funny how people from New York and metropolitan cities, I bet mm-hmm. you saw San Fran, how they need the south as an identifier for bum fuckedness. Yep. Yeah. 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 So you're like you're already putting them there. And also, there are there's a black population. His name is Jerry. By the I way, love that. That's autobiographical. He, by the way, he's a great culture. That's so funny. No, that's actually wow. true. Oh I I knew. I mean, there are a few more who were the college basketball team. <laughs> um, but there was a guy named Jerry that my dad introduced me to, and I worked for him for a summer catering, and uh-huh. he was the first black person I'd ever met. Wow. And I was like, and he, dude, he would just tell me stories and challenge all these things about my beliefs. I remember him telling me that he did cocaine in Europe. And I was like, Europe and cocaine. <laughs> These are crazy ideas. I'm surprised you're alive. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's renegade shit. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's but I also I just love the line, he was a great culture. Yeah. <laughs> like just, that's, he, yeah. There's so, so much to that bit. I'm going over it in my head. Like there were so many aspects to it, but your driving the thrust of it was you need me. That's the bit is you need me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's such a great, what a great premise is I'm your intermediary. I'm the guy. Yes, the I'm your peer mediator. I'm the guy that you need to go between. Yeah. That's so good. It yeah. is so good, right? Yeah. I love that. It's a really it's good hard it's to a do. Funny I, bit. It, it really on, is triggering for people. And yeah. I, it's a little, honestly, it's a little above my ability. No, uh, I you know, when I was listening to that, you, cause you've, we've talked about this off mic about how that bit is like sometimes hard for you to do because mm-hmm. you're just like, I don't want to be divisive. Mm-hmm. But I got to say, it's one of those things where, I think everyone is listening very intently, even if they're not like ready to burst out laughing totally. about everything. I think everyone in that room sounded like they were laughing at come on dad, which is the most yeah. like I was raised by this. I turned out like this and right. I have these two, like I have two feet in both camps. Also, there is a moment in there. I bet if you, f- if you videoed the crowd, 
during that bit. You'd see a lot of people leaning in, being very mm-hmm. engaged, smiling. You were doing that. I was. Yeah. yeah I, was <laughs> I, was do- I was so engaged in it because I'm like, where is he going? But also I see where you are and I'm like, where do we go? Where do we? And then you need me. Great. And then one of the great pivots that you make is I have these beliefs, but I don't live by them at all. That's yeah, the yeah. genesis of the bit. That's, that's what it's great, that's Because there was that great Louis bit where he's like, I have a lot of beliefs mm-hmm. and I live by none of them. Yeah, <laughs> and he yeah, goes, yeah, yeah. I, they're my believies. They're my <laughs> yeah, things yeah, that make yeah. me feel good. It, this is something that like is very core and yeah. I sit here and I think about it a lot and yep. it is. it feels like I'm like, Am I living consistently? Mm. Is this? Am I in integrity on this? Right. And part of me thinks, and I can argue it both ways. Uh-huh. I can argue it into the ground both mm. directions. And I sat there and I was like, part of me is embarrassed of this. Part of yeah. me feels like, like I'm wrong. And then yeah. also the other side of me is like, well, no, because. And so then I went, that's. I have to talk about this. And when I that took internal it on conflict, st- yeah. And when I took it on stage, mm. oof. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> wow. Oh, and then I, and then it, there was one moment where I, I was, I was trying to do this bit and it was, and, and everybody was just staring at me in mm. this basement in New York. And I went, this makes me the problem, right? Yeah. And they <laughs> burst out laughing. That's funny. I went, oh, there's the next part of this bit. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's great. You're lucky to have a bit like that. The gun locker thing, too. I love yeah. that it's like, I'm this young kid. But can I please bring my guns to school with me? <laughs> like, of course, you got to put them in the locker. And then the big, like, harsh punishment of go to the lockers. Like, just. Do oh, you God. do a, like an accent or a voice in that bit? Like a southern sounding voice or so a southern, but you know. I don't really because Montana, the I describe Montana accent as. Uh, news anchor standard. Wow, <laughs> generic. It, it's very generic American. Yeah, uh, and Ooh. so people will ask me, "What's the Montana accent?" I'm like, eh. "Is that it? What you're yeah. doing right what now? What I'm doing right now? This is this is Mon- We we chew our R's a little bit. That's you about really it. Chew Say that. Do it again. You've uh, you've used that. R. Expression. Well, yeah, chew we chew our R's. R's. Over, go over there. I'll over chew there. your R's. So I was terrified to show this to my parents. Yeah, okay. Um, and the funny thing is, is it's the only one my sister was like, I bet they'll like this one. Wow. They're very conservative, mm. um, sweet people really? who don't like cursing and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah your, your difference between your family, I'm sure you've explored this a lot, but that difference where you're kind of, not the black sheep, but you're the liberal sheep in a, in a conservative family. Oh, yeah. That's a really good point of like you can really keep delving into that because you are that contradiction. You live that contradiction. Yeah. I think that's you. Like you, a lot of what you are comes from that contradiction. Being raised, you know, by conservative parents and and living as a you know a white liberal in 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 uh, Yo, New where York did too. I go to get away from Montana? San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what you do. I've had this conversation with my dad <laughs> where I, I go, uh, oh, first of all, he, I was so terrified. To, I, I don't want to make fun of my parents. Right. I love them. And I don't, yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. I don't want to ever hurt them. I didn't think they come off and, as weird in this. And when my, my dad loved it. Of course. I was like, because he, I, I, he doesn't talk like, he's not, cold dead fingers. I, he doesn't talk like that. Because he's not Fat Albert. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the bit where you talk about my dad has on the front of our cabin, it says. Yeah, because nice matters. Because nice matters. He also has 
a World War Three prevention bunker. That's fucking great. <laughs> that's so <laughs> funny. That is, that's not me. That's not bad. It yeah. comes off as that's funny. Yeah. What a great, what a rich character you've built there with your dad. It is such a, and it just like builds you up as like, I can't believe, because you just did like a bit, a bit about going to Burning Man before this. <laughs> like, what is going on yeah. with this guy's mind? Yeah. It's all It makes you want to listen. You're like, where the fuck is he going to go next? So I'm polyamorous. All right. What the fuck is this guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Have you ever brought your guns to Burning Man? Yeah. Oh, uh, no, but they used, Burning Man used to have for, for the first 10, 15 years, Burning Man, they, everybody brought guns and exploded oh, things left and right. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Burning Man's not what you think. Oh, RIP yeah. the cool Burning Man. I mean, like, Jesus. I they, this year's project is they're building a nuclear bomb. They're going to blow off in the middle. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I literally thought that was real. Uh, if that's so what they funny. started doing the testing, weed, that would, yeah. I mean, not when you're there, but yeah. like there'd be a lot of people. It's, nu- it's, it's this year's nuclear burn. burn. <laughs> Kim Jong-un is the guest of honor. No one considers me a political comedian because I don't talk about it, but I'm a very political person mm-hmm. and uh, very closeted in that respect. I don't really talk about it a lot because it's a very <laughs> – in America, people wear the politics on their sleeve. In Australia, you don't even tell people how you voted. It's a very um, – it's a big faux pas to talk about politics unless yeah. – Unless it's in comedy. Yeah, unless it's in comedy. And that's an There's a lot of political comedians in thing Australia. Is that yeah. With political comedy, mm. it's one of the only times you can talk about politics and it's fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's true. In Australia, the most popular TV shows for the longest time were political TV. They were political comedy shows. Yeah. Like we had this show called The Glass House and it got cancelled by the government, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, it was on a government TV show uh, station. And there was a lot of different comedians, like um, guys like Will Anderson and Tom Ballard who – had a, an hour-long show every year um, about a new political issue. And they were very, very, very successful, still are. Um, uh, they're many, many years in. And I just I came up in that kind of scene where I really wanted to have, say my piece and then I moved here and I was like, well, I'm not going to hammer that. So one day, you know, I'll stop pussying out and just actually say shit that I feel passionate about. Um, you know, and it, I'm slowly doing it now. It's creeping into the act very gradually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I... What a good challenge, though. It is a big challenge. It's a great, yeah. great challenge for you yeah. to figure out how do I... It's almost like, have you ever given a pill to a dog? Yeah, I have. Yeah, and you have to, like, put it in, like, a hot dog or whatever so yeah. that they... You have to, like, bury it in... in Wrap it in a bit a of cheese, analogy. like a trick, a trick in the dog. Giving yeah. a dog medicine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> man, that is perfect. Yeah. Isn't that great? Giving but a dog medicine. Like, wrapped up my communist values in uh, peanut butter, basically. <laughs> I'm in America. I'm going to wrap my values in cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Let's talk about sex. Oh man! Awesome. I we could go for another hour. We could. I love you easily. Maybe we need to have a rematch. Yeah, I'd love to come back. I'll be sweet. I don't think you meant that. I do. I do mean that. He's face. He's like, (laughs) I would love to come back. As he punched the address into Uber. (laughs) (laughs) All right. A huge thanks to our guest Jason Chatfield. He performs, as we said, all over the Northeast. You can catch him on August nineteenth. At Comedy at Rockwell's in Pelham, New York. Mm-hmm. For future dates and tickets, go to jasonchatfieldcomedy.com. In fact, follow him. He is <laughs> at Jason underscore Chatfield. That's on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. And at Jason Chatfield, all one word, on Instagram. His website is appropriately jasonchatfield.com. Or jasonchatfield.com is the cartoony. That's stuff. the cartoon version. Uh, it's not real. And jasonchatfieldcomedy.com 
for his attempts at stand up. <laughs> <laughs> he leave with a dick. Special thanks to, of course, Jim Jeffries, and as always, a big, huge, hefty thanks to Salt and Peppa for not suing us and or for not yet suing yeah. us for all of our wonderfully, delightfully, heavily modified fair use of their song. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you. Awesome. I, we could-